everyone, and welcome back to Can't Hardly Wait Minute. The podcast where we analyze the 1998 graduation party classic, Can't Hardly Wait, one minute at a time. I'm your co-host, Aaron. I'm your co-host, James. And it's minute 94, beginning with Preston saying, I, it's just, um, and going through Preston saying, I said that, didn't I? Right. She says, I guess it's just, well, let me read the exact thing. Yes. She said, uh, he's like, God, yeah. Uh, she said, it's just, he says, it's just, and she says, really bad timing. And then he does this thing, Aaron, mm-hmm. that reminded me of nothing else but Tom Hanks's performance as Josh Baskins in the 1980s movie Big. Okay. He does this thing where he starts nodding and he's kind of mesmerized by the pretty girl. Mm-hmm. And then he remembers that he hasn't said anything. So he's like, Yeah. Like, he nods for a good two seconds before, like, it's like his brain is thinking, and he's kind of, like, trying to cogitate it out. It it reminds me so much of a Tom Hanks nod in that movie, in that one movie. It's, okay. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. And I've never noticed it before, either. It's, yeah. Well, you did just recently watch and live newsletter big. I mean, I, I suppose it was... I mean, it was a while ago, but... Like, have you ever have you ever watched this movie, you know, within a fairly short amount of time after watching Big? Maybe not. That's true. That's maybe not. Yeah. Okay. That, fair point. Cool. Yeah. So then, um, oh yeah. So he says, yeah, I've got this workshop with Kurt Vonnegut and he's my hero. And, and then she cuts him off. Yes. And she's like, that's really great. And did you get the impression that, like... She was trying to be sincere, but it came off, like, incredibly sarcastic. Yeah. She says it, like, that's really great. Like, I feel like the word great is the problem there. Mm-hmm. If she had said, that's awesome. Yeah. Or, that's really cool. Or, that's amazing. Yeah. It would have been fine. Yeah. But the word great... And I don't know if it's just because of our stint on Mount Olympus University as (laughs) Artemis and Apollo, where Artemis sarcastically referred to somebody as really smart and great. (laughs) Or if it's just the way she delivers the line, but it definitely sounds sarcastic. I think the context of what I think is going on here is that... She's come to his the train station. It's not his train station. doesn't own it yet. But she's come to the train station to meet him. She has his letter. She's read it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, my God, this is all working out. And she's like, so do you have to go? Or and he's like, oh, crap, I do. Oh, no. Timing again. It's the pastry thing all over again. Mm-hmm. And that's the really bad timing. He's like, yeah. Like, he's flashing back to... The really bad timing of that. Mm-hmm. So then I feel like he... I feel like the entire motivation of Preston for most of the rest of this scene is keep her on the hook. Keep her on the line there. Right. Like, you want to go to your Kurt Vonnegut thing, but you don't want her to be like, I guess it's just bad timing, and then you come back and she's ma- and she's dating Reich Mexter. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, whatever. It's short for Reichel. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, of course. Right, of the Mexter Reichels. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> the, the Pennsylvania Mexter Reichels. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like her being like, her saying that, I think she is sort of like, ah, well, you know, okay, well, I guess that this just didn't work out. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't know. It, it, I, I'm trying to pull away from like her being like, wow, cool. And more be like, oh, okay. Uh, hmm. Okay, well, I drove all the way out here, but no, your thing sounds great. Like, really right. great. Right. Well, and that's another thing that makes me want to know, how long is this workshop? First right. of all, how much time is Kurt Vonnegut dedicating to a workshop with high school students? Fair, fair. But like, if this is a week, like if he's only going away for a week, I feel like he should be like, yeah, I have to go to this thing, but I'll be, I'll be back in like five days. Right. If if he's gone for a month and a half, then sure. But I still feel like it really bothers me that they have not told us how long this workshop is in 1998 kurt vonnegut was uh was 76 years old okay so i can't tell if that means that i think that he would have been like yeah i'll do like a summer seminar at harvard for this right but kurt vonnegut was also not that guy right well and that's the thing i don't know enough about kurt vonnegut to know if he's the type to do these types of workshops. Yeah. He, right. Um that are okay. like, you know, summer semesters. Right. With your you know, the fiction writer that you've always looked up to. Or if he's the type to be like, Yeah, I'll dedicate a long weekend to this. Yeah, it's like a weekend con sort of situation. Yeah. Von Con. Mm-hmm. Um Vonacon? I'm not sure. We'll I think I think Vonacon I like that okay, better. Good. Because, like, you're like, is it, you know, well, yeah. All right. So let's learn a little bit about Kurt Vonnegut. Um, okay. He was born on November 11th, 1922. He was literally born four years to the date after World War One ended. Okay. And he died on April 11th, 2007. Okay. I'm going to go back to my notes because I took uh, pertinent notes and not just the whole Wikipedia article. Uh in a career spanning over 50 years, he published 14 novels, three short story collections, five plays, and five works of nonfiction, with further collections being published after his death. His most famous, he is most famous for the, his darkly satirical best-selling novel, Slaughterhouse-Five. Okay. Uh, he was born in Indianapolis. He attended Cornell. Uh, he dropped out in 1943 and enlisted in the Army. He studied mechanical engineering at the Carnegie Institute of Technology, which is now Carnegie Mellon, which is in Pittsburgh. So there's your Pennsylvania connection. And the University of Tennessee. He went to Europe in World War II and was captured by the Germans during the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, Then he was interned at Dresden uh, and survived the Allied bombing of the city by taking refuge in a meat locker of the slaughterhouse where he was imprisoned. Uh, And Slaughterhouse-Five, the main scene of that is the firebombing of dresden okay slaughterhouse five is a is a cool book and i want to do a little shout out ryan north did a graphic novel version of slaughterhouse five. Oh, really which looks amazing there's a part where he lists all his stuff that he has all like his kit mm-hmm. and so instead of like having that ryan north drew him as a paper doll with accessories oh nice and i'm like 
I saw that and I was like, that's amazing. That's like a cool commentary thing going on. And like, it looks cool. All that. But uh, Slaughterhouse-Five is also time travel. It's a time travel book, too. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Now no one see, talks about that. <laughs> I've never read Slaughterhouse-Five. I've never read any Vonnegut. Yeah, I've only Maybe read a short story was assigned at some point, but nothing that I specifically right. remember. Yeah. But it kind of makes me want to go get that Ryan North graphic novel version. Yeah. After the war, uh, Vonnegut married a woman named Jane Marie Cox and... They had three children together. Then he adopted his sister's sons after she died of cancer and her husband was killed in a train accident. Goodness. Uh, Vonnegut and his wife both attended the University of Chicago while he worked as a night reporter for the City News Bureau. And then I described, and then I, I found something else uh, later because I wanted to be like, what would a, a workshop with Kurt Vonnegut, like what's a writing lesson that Kurt Vonnegut would convey? Right. So I found this. In his book, Popular Contemporary Writers, which, killer title, my guy, mm-hmm. Michael D. Sharp describes Vonnegut's linguistic style as straightforward. His sentences concise, his language simple, his paragraphs brief, and his ordinary tone conversational. Vonnegut uses this style to convey normally complex subject matter in a way that is intelligible to a large audience. He credited his time as a journalist for, this, for his ability, pointing to his work with the Chicago City News Bureau, which required him to convey stories in telephone conversations. Vonnegut's compositions are also laced with distinct references to his own life, notably in Slaughterhouse-Five and his book Slapstick. So that is Kurt Vonnegut. Sort of, it kind of feels like what if Hemingway did like LSD and wasn't an abusive tool bag. Right. I don't know that Vonnegut wasn't an abusive tool bag, but enough cool people that would cancel him in a second if he was like him. So I think probably he wasn't. Right. So that is Vonnegut. That is what Preston is is walking away from the love of his life for uh, in this thing. I mean, Von- a workshop with Vonnegut sounds pretty rad. It does sound pretty rad. Um, huh. But Amanda then, Beckett. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, hey, could you, do you like Vonnegut? Could you come with me right now? <laughs> that, honestly, you kind of see that thought flit through his brain. <laughs> Yeah. There's a point where he like looks back at where he should be going, where train 28 is the Boston bullet is, is at track 28. Mm -hmm. Um, that fake train. Yep. And then he looks there and he looks back at her and yeah, he's like, no, 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 that'll never work. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so then Amanda says something that I've heard, uh, I heard in my dating life many times and it every time broke my heart. And if you've been a victim of like, (laughs) <laughs> it's like a, a law a law television commercial but if you've had trouble with like timing with this person what amanda says next is like is like her pressing the red abort button and it's really bad she says right maybe it's all maybe it's better this way maybe i should just be single or for a while or something it's the worst yeah it's the worst i mean like good for her probably probably that's that's healthy right but if we're on the Preston needs to lock this down, gross um, plot shipper sort of deal. Right. That's like, uh, we're losing her. Yeah. <laughs> like, and he I, he says something like, sure. Let's see. Yeah, he says sure. He says sure, but his face is like, what? No. No. Yeah. You, no. No single. <laughs> no. Bad. Bad. Bad idea. Bad idea. Like, 
his face is like you can you can see his crest fall. Yeah. He is so crestfallen. Oh man. He is yeah. His crest is just fallen, you know. Yep. Then <laughs> then she says it, you know, maybe it's like you said. Maybe this all happened for a reason. <laughs> and that's the other side of everything happens for a reason. It means that bad things happen for a reason too. Mm-hmm. It means like if thing is if something isn't working out, you aren't allowed to be like, um, wait, but what if I try harder? Nope, happens for a reason. Give it yep. up. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that's the problem with that particular thing. It's true. Um, and that is why he he ends this minute by saying. I said that, didn't I? <laughs> yep, you did, Preston. You sure did. You sure did. You sure did. Do you think the pastry made the letter? Probably, right? Oh, I'm sure. There's no way he wrote that letter and did not include the Pop-Tart thing. That's probably the one thing that did stay constant through every iteration. <laughs> First paragraph, solid. I'm not worried about that. Paragraph number two, okay. Yep. Pretty much, yeah. Do you think there was a point? Because if it was me and my first paragraph was like, ever since I saw you eating that the same toaster pastry as me, there would be a a draft, like draft, you know, 35, where I'd be like, what if we kind of metify that and be like, I was going to start this with this. Ha ha ha. Wouldn't that be silly? Anyways, I'm a serious man. Yeah. <laughs> I can see him doing that. Yeah. So that feels right. But yeah. So it's rough when the thing you've spent four years composing um, may be the cause of your undoing. It's true. But, you know. I guess we'll find out later. I guess we'll find out later. Maybe but for now, tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe Maybe, maybe tomorrow. Week. Maybe not. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out if we find out. We, we will find out if we find out. Right Maybe after tomorrow. these messages. Aww. If you would like to find us on Twitter, you can do so at JE underscore Minute Movies. If you would like to find us individually on Twitter, I can be found at Unabashedly Aaron. And I can be found at Unabashed James. We are proud members of the Scavengers Network, alongside a bunch of other just wonderful, great shows, one of which we will drop a trailer for at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, Oh, I have a, I have a, a workshop that I'm going to with Roman Mars uh, that I got to leave for like right now. Oh my goodness. We don't want you to be late for that. Keeping time is very important because time, as we all know, is honeys. Chugga chugga hot dogs. It's a train. I got it. <laughs> The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content. Hello and welcome to FMK All Day. I'm Erin. And I'm Elizabeth. And on this show, we play no-holds-barred Mary kill <laughs> Yes, it's true. Only we don't bleep out the bad words. No regrets. Each episode is under 15 minutes, and you can find us on the Scavengers Network and wherever you like to get your podcasts.